0: Live from Harrison County, West Virginia, we want to welcome you to the Healthy Harrison Podcast. This is a show designed to help you change your state. I'm Amy Haberbosch-Wilson, President of the Healthy Harrison Board, and today we have a fellow board member, Dr. Kim Ramsey. Welcome. Thank you, Amy. We're streaming this program on our Healthy Harrison Facebook page, as well as on the statewide distribution network of our media partner, WestVirginianews.com. Every week at this time, we chat with individuals who, in their personal or professional lives, or both share the mission of Healthy Harrison, that being to foster measurable improvements to the health and well-being of the people in North Central West Virginia. Dr. Ramsey is the senior pastor of Bridgeport United Methodist Church, where he has served since 2012. He's served on numerous boards and agencies of church and community, including the board of Healthy Harrison. So. Ken, I'm just going to turn it over to you and explain a little bit about yourself. I know you've been here before. Absolutely. (laughs) For those first time watching this.
1: Well, currently serving as senior pastor at Bridgeport United Methodist Church. Uh, I've been there, you know, going on 11 years. Uh, Enjoyed all of the participation, not only in the church and the community, and I've certainly enjoyed being a part of Healthy Harrison uh, and our mission and our purpose in our community.
0: Oh, great. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, and this is... uh, Couple times now you've been on, which yes, is great. Yes,
1: third third time around, but All right. uh, always enjoy it. Thank you.
0: Well, we're gonna jump into COVID. Okay. Talk about that a little bit, <laughs> just get that out of sure. the way. Given that uh, COVID restrictions have evolved to be more, I guess, tolerant in personal gatherings, um, how have you seen the community respond to this as we slowly get back together?
1: Well, uh, certainly you see more people moving out and about. Uh, I think people are indeed less hesitant uh, on their on their in-person gatherings. Uh, I think they're, at least from what you hear from people, they're looking forward to continuing to move in the direction of, of normal normal activity or normalcy. Um, what I think about sometimes, Amy, is what does normal activity look like? When people sure. say that to me, well, I just want to get back to normal. Uh, I, just because of what I do, I'm thinking, okay, what, what did we learn from COVID? Um, some of the things that we considered normal, were they the healthiest patterns? Or could we learn something from COVID that would help us move forward in a healthier fashion? For instance, I think uh, pre-COVID, families didn't eat together very often. Uh, It wasn't normal. It wasn't normal to spend extended times just alone with your family. That wasn't normal. Uh, It wasn't normal to have to be more hands-on with your kids' work and their interaction patterns. Uh, it wasn't normal to finish work or finish the day and have nowhere to be. And so you could just be. Uh, so even though certainly the negative impacts of isolation and disconnectedness, that, that's one piece of the puzzle. But I would just encourage people to think about, are there things out of COVID that as you return to activity that you would still like to have? The, the time apart, the focused time with family. Um, so that you don't rush back into sort of the hustle and the bustle and the rush and the hurry and the juggling of multiple things that, that sometimes people consider normal. Uh, so true. I would just encourage people to think as they resume that and as I observe them resuming that, what are what are some healthy things that you could take from what was a very disruptive experience?
0: It's true. Yeah, about a year ago, I guess we were all talking about let's focus on the positives what is coming out of this and we were all forced or consciously trying to find those positives and you're right two years in now we don't want to forget those and exactly. a lot of game playing you said dinners together absolutely right for many of the individuals in the community including the senior population kind of getting back to this like we talked about normal life takes more time what can we do as a community to minimize the fear and anxiety that exists around this whole process
1: yeah i think reconnecting and uh reintegration when you've had your when you've had your pattern interrupted uh, there's a certain set of stressors that come with that and and what i would encourage folks to do is as you sort of reintegrate into the culture and the society and so forth is to, number one do it with respect and kindness have an understanding heart realize people are going to be at different places with that for a while, and respect that. Let, let folks move and operate in their own comfort level in terms of reintegration, instead of maybe laying guilt. Oh, well, why haven't you been here? Why haven't you, why aren't you? You know, we, we get a little more confrontive during these times, and just just step back, respect, kindness, and then as you re-engage and, and reintegrate, uh, I think people need to do that with a real sense of thankfulness and humility. That, that we are emerging from this. And because you have a choice there, you can emerge from it with a sense of thankfulness and humility, or you can re- emerge from it with a sort of uh, "I told you so mm-hmm. attitude. And again, I would opt for the, for the more positive sense of that. Just respect, kindness, thankfulness. Hey, we're making it. We don't need to say, I told you so. We don't need to say, it's about time. Yeah. You know, all of those sort of things that, that inflame Now, I think, is the time to not inflame, but to just allow people to to move into that and reintegrate at their own pace.
0: Yeah, because everybody's at a different position. Exactly. Different
1: Different place.
0: Yeah. With the smaller groups, larger groups. I know the first conference I went to after all this. I didn't realize how anxious I was even going to it. I'm like, oh, finally, we're back together. This is great. And then all the people in the room, it just hit. Like, okay, I need my mask. I need my hand sanitizer. Yes. Am I ready to do this again?
1: Exactly. <laughs> and, and and again, everyone's processing that. Yeah. Uh, people process it in different ways, but everyone's processing it.
0: So what can you tell us about the church uh, as far as returning back to normalcy and...
1: Well, I, I certainly couldn't speak for everyone. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slow process. I think it's a journey. You're still doing uh,
0: virtual services? Oh, yes. Half and half? Now,
1: or? at our church, you know, we had the live stream studio since 2012. So when COVID came, it was relatively easy with some other uh, design uh, features to move into that. Uh, so we'll continue to do that, and I really have encouraged churches that I consult with to continue to offer that as an option, uh, instead of just going back to where you were. If you've developed some virtual formats, keep those in place for people, uh, and because other people are going to come, uh, they're going to come back in person. Ours are; they're not they're not coming back in droves, right. but they're coming back in significant steps. Uh, and again, everyone's going to do that within their own within their own comfort level so we don't lay a lot of guilt about that. We want people to be connected. Um, If you're here in person, wonderful. If you're still choosing the virtual option, wonderful. The main thing is, in terms of the church language, is to stay connected with your faith, stay connected with your community of faith in whatever way seems to work best for you at this time.
0: Have you seen the the virtual uh, benefit for some? I know we've got state board meetings and we went virtual and realized this has been great you know the attendance is better instead of all of you know throughout the state finding a a central location to meet we're all dialed in every month and it makes it so much easier virtually
1: well and and i think on on my end of things it's definitely become a good option i mean our device count we we know how many devices log on live Mm -hmm. and so forth and so on and those device counts continually go up and it also provides persons in other regions uh, if you will to yeah, to to tune in, or if someone's away on a work trip, on a vacation, can they can they can in. still feel that they're connected. And so I, I think the the virtual uh, the, the way in which people have had to develop the virtual alt, uh, option ha- has been a positive.
0: That's good. It's clearly not the same. I realize that is exactly. sometimes just being a person. Yeah. So many of the people return back to their offices back to per- in-person meetings um taken out of their comfort zones behind screens on zoom calls i know i've done plenty of those yes um, as such we're we, uh, really spending more time with our co-workers more time with our superiors more time to chatter around the water cooler so what advice would you give us as we're being put back into this complex social situations because it's still a little leery when we talk about who all has already had it in the office, who hasn't had it in the office. Yeah.
1: I think, you know, the return to work phenomenon for people, again, is, is different for everyone. But for those that are going back into that setting, uh, and, and if they have some, some uh, anxiety about that, um, I, I think there are a few things you can do. One is when you go back into the environment, it's a work, we're assuming a work environment we're talking about mm-hmm. here, is focus on what's in front of you. Focus on what's in front of you. What are you there to do? What are you there to accomplish? That maintains the, I always say that maintains sort of the professional and proficient aspect of what you have to do. Uh, the other thing I encourage people to do is then find a rhythm because you've been out of rhythm for a while. So it's going to take you a while to find the rhythm of when, when do I want to engage with a coworker? When do I just need to kind of disappear for a few minutes to catch my breath and not to be ashamed to have to do that because you've been absent from one another for a long time. So I think it's important to find that rhythm uh, initially, especially instead of constantly being, you know, face to face or in it. Let me spend some time together face to face and then there are times that maybe I need to retreat to my cubicle or my office or, or I just need to take a break. Um, that sort of thing and then I think the final thing in the work environment because so many people spend so many hours there is to is to foster be a person in the work environment uh, that fosters a sense of kindness and courtesy and, and and you know patience those sort of qualities because people are going to be a little bit on edge to start with perhaps as they re-enter that so why not be the person that fosters what can be some very positive characteristics in the work environment. So uh, you, you know me with um, alliteration, so those would be mine to focus uh, focus on what's in front of you, find your, your rhythm uh, and, uh, and foster those type of positive qualities in the work environment mm-hmm. and hopefully help them readjust and reengage as they move into that.
0: I like the rhythm, the routine, because I've seen both in the office now ones that will retreat right into their office and stay there, and others that just, they're lacking that human contact that they wanna talk a lot yes, and find out things and socialize, they've missed it. Absolutely. So you're right, it's that nice balance. You have to balance it out. Routine. Well, real quick, I'm going to, um, commercial podcast here is brought to you by WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, WVU, The State Journal, West Virginia and Interaction Media. And thanks to them we can continue our podcast
1: and we always appreciate them yes yeah.
0: yes we do so working with people can be very stressful we've talked about that um, what coaching can you give to people who struggle with social anxiety um, with themselves and with other coworkers? workers
1: and, and i think that's higher now than it was previously it's Much, not that anxiety yeah. hasn't always been a part of our our life uh, in, in varying degrees but i think it's intensified uh... for a lot of people and and most people who talk about anxiety will will tell you know there's external factors that contribute to that but there's also internal dynamics uh... that that uh... that contribute to that so i think that's what people need to focus on a few things that i've tried to think about both for myself and for others is to be self-aware but other centered when you are in the environment i'm aware of myself my strengths my what what uh causes me comfort what causes me discomfort etc but I'm going to be other centered that is I'm going to try to really get to know the other person and and what you know uh, they're they're talking about travel instead of immediately shifting it back to me I said well that sounds very interesting what did you like the most and so keep it toward that person especially people that may be awkward or anxious in social settings a lot of times that has to do with the fact that they think they have to contribute something personally. And if you're other-centered, if you just ask a question to the other person, let that person talk, then that brings me to another one, which is listen instead of speak. Again, a lot of social awkwardness or social anxiety in those settings has from people say, okay, what can I contribute to the conversation? Maybe kind of what we're doing here. Okay, what, what am I going to say when Amy says this? And I get nervous about that. Instead of doing that, just listen. Listen to what the story's been told. Listen to what the person's saying. Ask a question about what they're saying. Uh, it, it's the old listen before speaking. And, and don't feel pressure to speak. It's okay to just listen. But if you do, maybe you just say something, you know, back to the person to let them talk some more about it. Um, a couple other things real quick, though, I, I think as I think about social anxiety uh, and things that can contribute to that for people is, is really in a kind way, kindly avoid Kindly avoid um, anxiety-producing topics and drama that sometimes can have can happen in the workplace because that's especially someone who struggles with anxiety. That's only going to increase it for them. So, in a kind way, and and they say, well, how do you do that? Well, you find a way to step away.
0: Like, what's an example?
1: Well, you know. Uh, People, for instance, in today's uh, polarization world, someone want, might want to bring up a, a political. Well, did you watch the president's State of the Union? I really thought he did a terrible job, or I really thought he did a good job. Right. And, and if I'm not comfortable with that topic, that's going to produce anxiety True. internal for me because all oh, gee whiz, I'm here to do my job. I really didn't think I was going to analyze the particular political situation in the landscape, and, and you know. So, so you find a way to kindly step out of that and and say, well, I, you know, unfortunately I didn't get to watch much of it. And you step out, you know, that sort of thing. And, and, uh, the other thing I say to people is, is if you get in a, and, and people who struggle with social anxiety, uh, at a higher level will know what I'm talking about. Sometimes they're, you're in, in that situation and you're really just almost in a daze you're in a doubt because of the, the anxiety that's surrounding the conversation or the environment. And I always, little rhymes, you know how I do that. But I would say, when you're in a daze, reach for the phrase. And they say, what's a phrase? Well, a phrase would be, you know, I need to think more about that. You know, give me, I haven't really thought of it that way. Let me, let me process that a little bit. And so you're stepping yourself back, acknowledging the comment, but stepping yourself back to give yourself space instead of having to immediately engage. You know, that, that uh, can help someone who really, because it's true, people who struggle with a lot of social anxiety, yeah. they, they get in doubt and in a daze almost till they're, uh, uh, you know, and there's almost a panic that comes on. So I said, when you're in that daze, just reach for a phrase like, you know, I just need to think more about that. That's a kind way of saying, I'm not ready, really ready right. to answer you right now. Like but, but it lets you step back. Yeah.
0: Well, I know for many people, bouncing back to work has been a struggle. The work-life balance has gone from working from home, which I've done quite a bit too, working yes. 8 to 10-hour shifts. Um, I realize that too. You don't really have a clock. Sometimes you're, you wake up early, and if you're up at 5 o'clock, I'm going to jump into work. Go and into you realize work. realize 7 yeah. o'clock, like, I'm still doing stuff because you're home. It's easy to exactly. do it. Exactly. So what advice do you give to someone that is feeling the, the effects of this whole shift?
1: Um, well, I think first first and foremost, they need to be easy on themselves and give them time to readjust. Give yourself time to readjust. It's gonna take, think how long you've been out for some people. So you've been out that long, it, you can't just immediately, a lot of people can't just immediately go back to what they were doing. Give yourself time to, to make that adjustment. Um, pay attention to your health, Healthy Harrison. Mm-hmm. Pay attention, not just, you know, physical health, mental and emotional well-being pay attention to yourself because sometimes if you go right back to an eight or ten or twelve hour shift all of a sudden everything from nutrition to uh, to time apart to think things through with reflection that goes out the door um you know again uh and and the other thing we can do is to put patterns in place that help us rather than hinder us as we move as we move back into that uh, the example would be instead of Instead of rushing out the door every morning, you know, there are people that feel like every single day they're rushing out the door to get where they need to be. Well, put a different pattern in place. You know, a little earlier maybe you start. Um, you know, those kind of things. Very small steps that people can take. Uh, and then maybe a final, uh, a final thing I would think of is, is which I've, uh, in our previous podcasts I've mentioned, and that is don't overbook your life. I really think one of the greatest hazards of our culture right now is the tendency for people to overbook their lives. And so if you do that, everything's gonna feel rushed. Everything's gonna feel crowded. Everything's gonna be magnified and intense. Don't overbook your life. Figure out a way to schedule the time that you need to be you, to be with your family, to be in significant relationships. Otherwise, those will get crowded out by an ever demanding culture, especially as people shift from sometimes neutral to high gear. And anybody that's driven a standard transmission knows it's not a good idea to shift right into high gear. Usually you get lugged down. Mm -hmm. If you shift into a high gear too early, you're gonna lug the, the vehicle down on a hill. And I say, that's the way people are in their life. If you're trying to stick it into high gear right away, you're gonna find yourself more tired. You're gonna find yourself lugged down at that point.
0: So you said you mentioned scheduling. Do you, truly scheduling. Truly well, if that's no? what's needed,
1: I, I absolutely, I think so. Uh, you, you know, to to learn to to create the, the kind of previously as we talked about to create that rhythm and that balance.
0: Yeah. Schedule time for yourself. Schedule <laughs> if, if time yourself,
1: your family. Hey, if, if that's you know, if if the only way you can work it in is to schedule it, then you have to schedule it.
0: Well, I can answer this one too. How important is family to you and what role can family have on the relationships at work? (laughs) Everybody has their opinion on that one. Well,
1: and, and, uh, you know, that is a very personal question uh, for for folks to answer. But in my own life, I guess, it really comes down to, um, I would say, rootedness and groundedness. That's probably how I would describe it. My family provides me the rootedness and groundedness that I need in life. And that's another reason I say you've gotta, you've gotta uh, pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. You've gotta foster that. It's like the the big tree with deep roots. You know, the storm comes and somehow it's still standing. Why the roots? Uh, and, and if we give that up, if we sacrifice that, and, and, and honestly, I think in the work environment, it transfers, my personal experience only, and doesn't necessarily mean it for everyone, but I think if you have that sense of rootedness and groundedness, it really transfers into greater effectiveness more confidence you know you you feel like somebody's got your back you feel Mm -hmm. like that hey even if this project fails i'm still going home my kids are going to love me we're going to have a great time and this is wonderful life and then i'm ready to try it again Uh, so whether it's failure or success i think having that rootedness uh, in your family is very important
0: and we started this by saying you know the dinners at home the games that you're playing the time that you spent with your family so yeah not losing that So. You're a positive role model in the community, Um, extremely positive role model, uh, continue to be. How do you stay positive for for Ken?
1: Well, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I hope, you always hope you're a positive role model. Everyone has their imperfections and and, uh, shortcomings, by sure. But I think positivity is related to three things briefly, identity, adaptability, and receptivity. I think positivity is related to am I, do I have a strong sense of self-worth and self-value? And a lot of that for me is a faith answer because of my faith in God that creates a sense of worth, uh, self-value, so an identity out of that, that creates positivity. I think being able to adapt, a lot of people during COVID found themselves unable to adapt. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a, 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 for many people in our culture, there was a low level of adaptivity, especially when that adaptivity was forced upon them. I always say people, there were a lot of unhappy people already, and now I have an excuse to be unhappy because COVID came. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, but again, when you're in a crisis situation, being able to adapt you know, and and maintain is very important. And and that keeps you positive if you have developed that. And then receptivity, receptivity to others, receptivity to change. You know, COVID has highlighted or or, uh, revealed uh, how people can change. Some can, some can't, some can adapt, some can't. Uh, They're receptive to others. They're listening to other people. They're concerned about other people, that receptivity. So in my life, and all of those are of course related to faith uh, in, in, my, in my case, but I would, I would encourage anyone to explore that at a deeper level, that, that your identity, uh, your adaptivity, your adaptability, and your receptivity, I think those are the things that contribute to being able to stay positive in, in, in varying circumstances. doesn't have to be positive circumstances. If I have those three things strongly in place, then I'm going to be able to persevere.
0: Right.
1: might not be ideal, but I'll be able to persevere through it over time.
0: I'm sure it takes practice for some.
1: Well, just like like in physical health, the repetition and the pattern and the habit makes me stronger. If I lift weights every other day, if I stay with that pattern over time, not instantaneously, but over time, I'm going to improve. So also, people don't, because it, it has a different category for people, but in terms of your mental and emotional health, it's the same thing. You have to rehearse things. Practice things that increase that sense of positivity and increase that sense of well-being.
0: Healthy habits, micro-resolutions, all the little things. We've that's exactly about. Yep. that's exactly it. I know you that your role as a spiritual leader for many of the citizens in North Central West Virginia. How important is spirituality for maintaining that positive look on life?
1: Well, I alluded to that, yeah. Uh, and and I, I think I would I would say to the folks who may be watching or listening, um, the that 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 spirited. That spirit source or source of giftedness in your life, uh, for me, it, it is in you know my, my role as a as a Christian minister and 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 in my faith. That could be different for someone else. Uh, understand that, but it's still a spiritual dynamic. It's that internal dynamic of of the larger sense of the giftedness and and spirituality that that pervades all of life. And and for me, it a, a strong spiritual life provides. Uh, both the infrastructure and the foundation uh, for life it's kind of that infrastructure like the the uh, the pylons of a bridge you know uh, the, 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 the infrastructure part the part that holds it up uh, it also I think gives equipment needed to face life a, a sp- strong spiritual life equips me so if I want to not only myself but my kids you know I remember my dad used to always say, he handed me a flashlight when I, when I started driving, and he said, put this flashlight in the car, you're going to need this. And I'm like, ah, you know, I'm a dad, well, you need a flashlight in the car? You know, I got the headlights I got, until one time on a country road, I broke down. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I need the flashlight. It was an important piece of equipment, and, and very small example to say to people, I want to equip my children, those that I care about, those in my family, I don't want them to go out in the culture unequipped. And I believe that a a strong spiritual life is one way of equipping one another, giving one another the, you're going to need this. You might not see it right now, but you're going to need this as you move forward. And then finally, I think a a, a deeper spiritual life and component really gives you a a larger perspective on life. It's the panoramic. I think a, a strong spiritual life helps me to see a larger picture so that I could decide as as a, as an elderly uh, wise one once said, keeps my who's and my what's in order. Who matters the most and what matters the most. The most. Let everything else fade out. If I know who matters the most, for me again, faith answer, and what matters the most, then all those other things that we spend so much time on that don't matter uh, can fade away. But I think a deep spiritual life helps you have uh, that, that scenic view, mm-hmm. if you will, to be able to make the choices that lead you in that direction.
0: Well, Dr. Ramsey, Ken, thank you so much. This has been great. I know it's, it's been a pleasure working with you on the board, but you know, it's good to and kind of dig a little bit deeper in some of these.
1: Absolutely, glad to be here and, um, and uh, glad to have the conversation.
0: I appreciate it, thank you. We wanna thank everyone today for joining us for the Healthy Harrison Podcast. It is our goal to change your state of mind and ultimately change the state here in North Central West Virginia. If you want more help right now, please visit the HealthyHarrison.org or visit Healthy Harrison Facebook page and give us a like. You'll find lots of support and you can stream past episodes of our podcasts on the Facebook page. Again, we'd like to thank our sponsors, WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, WestVirginianews.com, and Interaction Media. On behalf of Healthy Harrison, Ken and I would both like to thank you for joining us today. See you next time.